We want to welcome you back today for our No Longer I series. I hope that the messages have already encouraged you. I want to remind you to go to our website, family-grace.com. Check out the videos of people in our area who are sharing their testimonies about living a life of No Longer I. Today, we kind of want to pick up a practical aspect of this. What does it look like? How do I become No Longer I? How do I live out the life of No Longer I? It's very difficult. I'll go ahead and give you a secret to it. It's impossible in the flesh. If you're trying to live out a life of No Longer I in the flesh, it is an impossible mission. Because the flesh has war with the Spirit. And the two are contrary to one another. <clears throat> so you can't fulfill a spiritual destiny clinging to a worldly model. <clears throat> I must say that again because I, I think that was pretty good preaching right there. You can't fulfill a spiritual destiny clinging to a worldly model. Because a worldly model doesn't fit in a heavenly dynamic. You see, you are not a body with a soul, but you are a soul with a body. And there's a big difference. Your body, which you look at in the mirror, that we spend so much time uh, making sure it looks right and, and keeping it in shape and clothing it right and all those things, that's not what you were created for. You are a soul that has a body, not a body that has a soul. Therefore, you cannot fulfill a heavenly dynamic living by a worldly model. And today, if we are forcing a worldly model upon our heavenly dynamic, you're going to have a mess. You're going to have a train wreck because the two are not running together, they're running opposite of one another. I remember a, a preaching cliche that impacted me as a very young child before my teenage years. Heard a preacher saying one time, you know, I mean, if you're, if you're not running head on into the devil every day, good chances are you're running with him. Because you're going to pass him going opposite directions. You see, the problem is that we are programmed from the beginning for it to be all about us. For it to be all about us. Matter of fact, Elvis Presley wrote a song, I live my life my way. I did it my way. I live my life according to my standards, my hopes, my dreams, my admirations. And we see where that got him, amen? Dying alone, by himself in a worldly dynamic. You see, we cannot fit in a worldly dynamic because we are not positioned for a worldly dynamic. We are positioned for a heavenly one. Now let me just say that today. I'm not just preaching to the church. I'm not just preaching to the saints of God. I am telling you that it doesn't matter how bad your life is. It doesn't matter how broken you may seem to be. You were created for a heavenly dynamic, not a worldly pattern. Today, they do not fit. Why in the world today are more people taking their lives than ever before? I read just recently a Vols Parish has one of the highest suicide rates of almost any town in the country. How is that the case that suicide is on the rise? 
How is it the case that cutting themselves, people cutting themselves is on the rise? Because they're trying to enforce physical pain upon their body to eradicate and numb the emotional pain, the spiritual pain. How is it today that hopelessness is on the rise? I'm telling you that God's not sick. He's not off on a journey. He's not sleepy. He's not tired. Why is it today that hopelessness seems to be abounding in the midst of hopefulness? It's because we try to join them together and we try to have friendship with the world and sonship, daughtership with heaven. And the two just can't go together. I just don't mix. They don't mix. So therefore, how do I live out this no longer I? Pastor, I heard you. I heard you about the original I with Lucifer. I heard you about the rich man who said, I will pull down my barns. I will build bigger barns. I will have a party. I will say to myself, soul, take ease. You've done very good for yourself. Enjoy the rest of your life. How will I do those things? And then we looked at the, how do I not do those things? We looked at the model last week of Jesus Christ. And we looked at how he takes all that tragedy and turns it into something of triumph. We looked at how we understood the circumstances and the devastation and the separation, but most of all the transformation. You see, the grave being empty was all about transformation. I tell you another good transformation story that I'm not going to preach on, but I just can't not mention it. I mean, those same guys that went to the tomb and saw it empty, those same two guys that were on the road to Emmaus and assembled there in Jerusalem, and they were waiting on the promise of the Father. And as they were waiting on the promise of the Father, it was that Connect Four passage that we're all about, that you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and around the world at Connect Four passage but then right after that it says as they were standing there and he was giving them their holy hoorah speech the rah rah moment all of a sudden his feet began to lose gravitation they're down here anchor to the world and he begins to rise above them and they're looking at him eyeball to eyeball all of a sudden before they know it they're looking just like this and Jesus is ascending into heaven and he's taken away up into heaven and you know the cool part about that is they're standing there. Man, it beat running. I'm just proud of them for standing there gazing. I mean, I'm telling you that somebody starts rising up in the air, you're probably going to be leaving there. And as they were standing there, the angel said, What is, why do you stand gazing up in the air? That same Jesus that you saw float into outer space, leave this earthly atmosphere, will leave the heavenly atmosphere and come back to the earthly atmosphere in the same way you saw him leaving. I'm telling you something interesting here today about Jesus being the model is that he is not bound by the earthly requirements. He's not bound by the earthly restrictions. Oh, I want you to know he submitted himself to the frailties of this world, to the humanity of the world, to the sin of the world, to the temptation of the world. But he, not like us, even though he was tempted as we are according to Hebrews, was without sin. I tell you the thing that had been conquering man, Jesus was able to conquer it. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. That's why Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 57, O grave, where is thy victory? But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Christ Jesus our Lord. When I was a, a, a young boy, 
I remember a song, and then my first early years of ministry, it seemed like everywhere I went, they sung this song. And I said, if I never hear that song again, I will be a happy man. And that song was Victory in Jesus. I heard an old, old story again and again and again and again. I thought, boy, if I never hear that song again, I'll be a happy man. You know why I realized that I hated that song so much? Because the people were singing it in hypocrisy. They were singing that song about having victory while shackled in defeat. I'm telling you the story today that Jesus came from glory to conquer that which had been conquering man all of their lifetime. And on that third day, he came up victorious with the key to death, hell, and the grave and had victory in Jesus. I remember when I grasped that scripture. But thanks be to God who gave me the victory through Christ Jesus. I remember this principle, Pastor Ken. I remember thinking this. I remember saying this. Had I realized what that scripture really meant, I don't think after coming to know Christ, I would have ever backslidden and found myself in this hodgepodge of humanity waste that I created for myself because I was trying to live the spiritual life in the flesh. And you can't live the spiritual life in the flesh. You'll end up with what Bonhoeffer called cheap grace. And I'll tell you something, salvation might have been free, but it wasn't cheap. Somebody had to pay for it. And I realized that the reason I was defeated, the reason I had backslidden, the reason I had broken the heart of my Savior, of Jesus Christ, was because I had a worldly, earthly, carnal formula trying to figure out a heavenly dynamic. I'm telling you, it doesn't work, my friends. So, what is step one? I'm glad you asked. Galatians chapter 2, it's interesting. You know the scripture. I've preached it before. I'll try to, it's a life verse for me. But while you're turning there in Galatians 2, let me tell you what happened. In chapter 2, Paul comes on the scene after 14 years. He went to Jerusalem with Barnabas and Titus along with him also. He went up because of a revelation and presented to them the gospel. He preached the gospel to the Gentiles, but Privately, those recognized as leaders, he went to them and they might be running to and fro. They were running in vain. Look at verse 3 of chapter 2. But not even Titus, who was with me, though he was a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. And it goes on and says, And the issue arose because false brothers smuggled in, who came in secretly to spy on our freedom, that we, may, we have in Christ in order to enslave us. But we did not yield in submission to those people. For every, even an hour, so that the truth of the gospel might remain with you. You know what's a shame? Is that <clears throat> the truth of the gospel is hindered in our country. The truth of the gospel is hindered because of Preachers that don't believe the gospel. They don't believe the whole gospel. Therefore, they pick and choose the portion of the gospel that they desire to preach. I remember, uh, I mean, God is trying to do some awesome things in our hearts and lives. And the gospel is only restricted to those who are restricting it. And in this passage of scripture here, it says that they were preaching the gospel. 
but for those recognized as it was important. Now, here's what happened. Skip with me to verse 11. Now, when Peter came to Antioch, it says, Paul said, I oppose him face to face because he stood up and he condemned him. For he used to eat with the Gentiles before certain men came in with James. However, when they came, when they came, he withdrew and separated himself because he feared those from the circumcision party. Then the rest of the Jews joined him in this hypocrisy, better known as cheap grace. And so it goes on, and here's what it says. Look with me, if you would, in verse 13. And even Barnabas, this is the only place in the Bible you'll find any negative thing said about Barnabas. But it was so intense, even Barnabas was carried away with the hypocrisy. The encourager. The guy who had been, been with Paul since the beginning. Even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. Look at verse 14. But when I saw that they were deviating from the truth of the gospel, I told Peter in front of everyone, if you are a Jew and you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, then how in the world do you compel Gentiles to live like Jews? And let me put that for you in, in modern day terminology. The Jews were the religious bunch who had an air of preeminence about them. You remember the ones that sent Jesus to the cross. And it was really driving everybody crazy that these Gentiles, wretched, reprobate sinners, good for nothing, they hated them, hated everything about the Gentiles. Now these Gentiles had found the pathway to the salvation knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so Peter found himself in what we would call a conundrum. When he was with the Jews, he wanted to act like a Jew. Then he'd go to the Gentiles, he'd act like the Gentiles. But he wouldn't tell the Jewish people to live like the Gentiles were living. He was telling the Gentiles to live like the Jewish people were living because the Jewish people had power, prominence, and money. And so therefore, he was doing this thing. I, I, I love what it says. <clears throat> I love what it says in chapter 3 and verse 1. <clears throat> you, 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 man, you Galatians, who has bewitched you? Who has is, who is tricked you into believing this hypocrisy? So Paul comes onto the scenes of this baby church in Galatia and is breaking his heart because religion is triumphing over the grace of God, the mercy of God. Now, why did I tell you all that? Because you will never be able to conquer the issue and the battle. The first step is breaking free. The first step in breaking free is realizing that this is religion. <clears throat> that this is your life. And religion likes to keep everything nice and neat. They like to keep the sides all square or round, everything symmetrically in the right place. They like to keep everything in the perfect order and the appearance that nobody's broken that nobody has failures, that nobody struggles. And therefore, that's why we have powerless churches because people have to go in living a hypocritical lifestyle and they can't even go to the family that they love and say, you know what, my life sucks today. Yeah, because Satan sucks. He sucks the joy out of your life. He sucks the freedom out of your life. He sucks the skip in your step out of your life because it's terrible. 
And therefore, we have all this mess that's spilling over. I have all this mess that's spilling over all over in my life. And then religion says, uh, you come, but you got to clean up, make sure it fits in the box. And so they tell people, you can come to our church and you can be part of what we're part of if, you, if it fits in this box. Well, what's in this box? Well, really and truly, just a bunch of junk. There's no precious treasures in here. Because it came off of my dresser. It's just a bunch of junk. Receipts, business cards, some fake jewelry, even a little rubber band. Now here's the thing about religion. It tells you you got to clean up and get all your stuff and make sure it fits in this box with the rest of their junk. But here's what Jesus said. And here's what Paul was declaring. You don't have to come and fit in a box. You just come be who you are. If you're broken, come broken. Quit faking it. Quit living like it's okay when it's not. And be real. Now how do you do that? Well, you have to live a life of no longer I. Because I'm going to tell you, not only does church want everything to be cleaned up, but you don't want people to really know how bad. We don't really want people to know how bad we're hurting. I remember when I was going through the biggest struggle in my life, my marriage was falling apart, all the things that was happening in my life, and I found myself in a hospital for seven days. I found myself with emotional breakdown. I had to tell my feet to get out of bed. I had to tell them to walk. I had to tell my body to do all these things, and I was emotionally broken. And I remember the guy that came and preached for me that Sunday stood here at this platform, told the church, said, your pastor's in, in, a, in a hospital, and he's broken, he's emotionally broken, and uh, he's going to be locked down there for seven days. I remember after that, I remember after that, somebody said, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? I can't believe he said that. I can't believe he stood at the church and said all that was happening. I was sitting over there in the passenger vehicle on the way back home. All I could do was smile. They said, why are you smiling? I said, I'm just so glad everybody knows how bad it really is. I'm so glad I don't have to fake it anymore. I'm so glad I don't have to put on airs anymore. I'm so glad I don't have to dress up my funk and bring it and act like nothing's wrong when everything's going to hell in a handbasket and the devil's winning. You see, locked down in that hospital, I found out a principle of living was dying. And I realized after I had been there five days, I mean five minutes, I didn't need to be there. I didn't need to be there. Five, five minutes was all I needed. But I had to stay seven days. See, the seven days was really only about God and me. He had to get me pushed in a place where I had to rely on His sufficiency and had to get to the place where I had to be willing to surrender my will 
to His will. I had to be willing to realize that the world said I had to be cleaned up, looking right, and fitting in this box. And if I did everything okay according to the world's standards, then I could be promoted according to the world's standards of religion. Wait a minute. We're talking about church. I'm going to tell you something about church, folks. It'll get you high, and it'll leave you low. It's a little bit like cotton candy. It's sweet in the mouth, but you don't even have to chew it, and it'll melt. But I'll tell you something about Jesus. He is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He will suffer long. He walks the dark hills and the dark highways. I am telling you today on the authority of the Word of God and my living testimony that it can never get so bad that you're beyond the reach of God's grace. But you got to surrender your will. Verses 18 and 19 in chapter 2 are so interesting. Because here's what Paul says. If I rebuild those things that I tore down, I show myself to be a lawbreaker. For through the law I have died to the law that I might live to God. Paul says, I'm not going back and acting all something I'm not. See, Paul, if you, I don't have time to go there. But if you've been around church any amount of time, he said, if you want to compare pedigrees, I'll compare it with you. I was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. I was born. I was born of the tribe of Benjamin. I was circumcised on the eighth day. Everything was done right. Everything was done right. Everything was done right. Everything was done right. But I realized that when I had checked all the boxes, when I had risen to the level of prominence, when I was somebody in the realm of religion, I realized that all I had was a bunch of cosmetic jewelry when I went over there and I achieved the royal diadem of religion and I opened it up I realized there was no treasure worth heaven having because you realize I realized that the real treasure had been crucified on the cross today surrendering your will to his will is the first step it's saying God I know your plans better than my plan because your word tells me that my mind can't even imagine what your plan is, much less my eye have seen it and my ear have heard of it. See, I had a will. I had a plan. It was a good plan. It was a plan that I was going to promote in the name of Jesus. I was preaching, pastoring, successful, victorious. I was a pastor preaching over 20 revivals a year. And all of that stuff, things was going great. I had a plan, but God had to get me to a place that I had to realize that his, even though I had my plan that was in his name, it really wasn't his plan. See, we like to do that. We, we like to get a plan and put the name of Jesus on it and stick it and say, Lord, this is your plan. Now you got to bless it. So I had to get to a place where I was willing to surrender my will for his will. I had to get to the place where I was willing to surrender my life for his life. You remember last week I told you the story of Augustine. After coming to know Christ as his Savior, went back on the streets of degradation where he had lived like the world and when a life filled with carnality and sinful living, he went back on the streets and one of the town came to him and said, Augustine, Augustine, it is I, it is I. He said, yes it is, but it is no longer I. That wasn't just a clever statement. The Bible says right here in verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The substitution. The theological term for it would be known as a substitutionary atonement. 
for the remission of our sins. That's one substitute worth having. That's one tag you want to make. That's one time you want to get out of the game and on the bench and say, Lord, I accept the finished work of Calvary. See, he was, he was the greatest substitute in all the world. Jade talked about in her testimony of no longer I. I found my place where I was no longer on the field, where I was no longer able to show forth the glory of God through my mortal body. Isn't that amazing how we want to show off the glory of God through our lives? She said, I realize that my life was not to show off my natural talent, but to show off my heavenly gift. And Jade, through her time at LC, revival has been breaking out in that softball team. I can remember having conversations like this just about four or five years ago. Why can't we get any softball players? Why can't we get softball players to, to FCA? You remember that, brand? Why can't we get them to FCA? Why won't they come? Because they didn't have an ambassador. They didn't have a missionary who was sent there to point the way like the Samaritan woman was. You remember? She had been called by all the world. She met Jesus out in the middle of nowhere, and her life was undone. And in this passage of Scripture, things began to come together. He substitutes our life for his life. I have been crucified with Christ. And then we have to be willing to substitute our ways for his way. See, I have been crucified with Christ, which means death, yet I live. Yet I live. I've died, but I live. And I no longer live for myself, but for the Son of God who gave himself for me, is what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 15. Therefore, if one died for all, then all who if one died for all, then all who died should live for the one who died for all. That means you're not your own anymore. You were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God with your body. See, we have to be willing to say, Lord, here's my plans. Here's my life. But here's my way. Look at this right here in closing. In verse 20, I mean verse 21, I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. Can I tell you Christ didn't die for nothing? Christ didn't die for nothing. He died to seek and to save those which were lost. Some of you are so beat down. The world has beat you down. The world has chewed you up one side and down the other. A lot of it not by your own doing. Some of it by your own doing. But I want you to know that whether the world's done it or you've done it, His grace is sufficient. So we don't want to set aside the grace of God, but we want to set aside our heart. Yes, I've been crucified with Christ. I live, okay? If you live, then live for the one who died for you. I remember the story of Abraham Lincoln who went to a, a slave auction one day and he bought this young girl. And after purchasing her, after the auction was over, he walked up to her and handed her the paper that, he, that showed his ownership. He signed the bottom of the paper, handed her the, sleeve, the paper and said, you are free to go. And he turned to walk off. And she began to follow him. And he went back and he said, no, no, you, know, you don't understand. I, I, I did own you, but now I've given you your life. I've given you your freedom. See, see right there, it's my signature. I've, 
I've signed it over. It's yours. And so he turned to walk off, and he walked a little ways, and he looked, and she was following him. And he stopped again. He said, okay, okay, you're not, under, you're not picking up what I'm putting down. That's my, I made that up. I'm sure the president didn't say that. Might have. You're free to go. And she said unto him, if you would be willing to do that for me, then I'd be willing to follow you freely wherever you go. If Jesus would be willing to lay down his life and become your substitute, in the life that we now live in the flesh, we are to live by faith for the Son of God who gave himself for us. At Family of Grace, it continues to be our greatest desire to be a church that reaches across the barriers of culture, economics, and race, and to help people become all that God has intended them to be. Can we help you on your journey to live the life of no longer I? Absolutely. If you would give us that opportunity, it would be our greatest joy and privilege. I hope that this week you will be able to do great things for Jesus Christ in your life and all that he has for you.